helping you keep your creative juices brewing. We're giving out chunks of insight, motivation, and practicality for your creative journey. Hey, welcome to a new episode of The Creative Brew here at Panels Coming Book and Coffee Bar here in Oceanside, California. Right off of Mission Avenue, we have great treats, great coffee, uh, some of the latest comic books and graphic novels. So please, if you're in the area, please come by and check it out today. Uh, today we have Alonzo, uh, one of the founders of Little Fish Comic Book Studio in San Diego, California, uh, and really a part of a thriving San Diego uh, comic book community. And he's going to tell us a little bit about himself and talk to us about Little Fish and, and what they're doing to really raise the I think the next generation of, of comic book artists and writers and and really learn uh, a lot of history about comics and graphic yeah. novels. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you uh, sort of introduce yourself and, and we'll go from there. Great. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, so I'm the founder and executive director of Little Fish Comic Book Studio. We are a nonprofit comic studio down in San Diego. Yeah. Uh, we focus on comics, community, and collaboration. And what that means is the comics end of that is, of course, classes, camps, workshops, yeah. uh, your normal kind of art studio uh, classes and, um, um, and camps and all the, the educational component. And with community, we do a lot of uh, meetups, hangouts, uh, podcasts, um, like today, yeah. uh, kind of uh, bringing all the elements of the comic industry uh, together, especially in San Diego. The comic industry is so vibrant, so active. Yeah. But we all kind of exist in pockets, yeah. you know, especially in San Diego County, right? I'm up in Oceanside right now, um, and we're still in San Diego County. You know, yeah. San Diego County, I always explain for friends on the East Coast, San Diego County is as large as the state of Connecticut, yes. right? It's, it's crazy. It's huge. And you've got professionals that uh, spend all their time working, hopefully, right? So they're in their houses. You've got retailers like panels, yeah. um, you've got uh, educators, you've got librarians, you've got fans, you've got aspiring professionals, you've got all these kind of pockets, and part of Little Fish's mission is to bring all of that together. Yeah. Right? Uh, and uh, with collaboration, a big part of what I really wanted to focus on was reaching out to, in essence, non-traditional uh, partners for, yeah. for the studio. So right now we've got a really cool, exciting partnership with the Cabrillo National Monument mm -hmm. down in Point Loma, which is not a natural fit for comics, at least on the face of it. You know what? You know. So what? What we do is we have a collaboration called uh, uh, Comics and Conservation, and a group of students uh, can schedule a trip to Cabrillo. The science coordinator takes them on a tour, explains bio biodiversity, yeah. uh, gives them a really cool, awesome uh, tour of. All the, all the wildlife, all the plants, the history of Cabrillo, and then I come in right after that and teach them how to integrate all that information mm -hmm. into a comic. You know? wow. So it's really cool. So yeah. educators love that. Um, Cabrillo is liking it so far, knock on wood. Yeah. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm really enjoying, uh, A, the, uh, the chance to get into Cabrillo free, <laughs> yeah. uh, and the chance to use comics in just one more really cool, exciting, interesting way. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's uh, that, that brings up a good point because I think I want to. I can't remember who else might be trying to do that, but they're trying to integrate more comics into classrooms and things like that. And I know personally for me, my some of my first books was, was comic books, uh -huh. uh, and that's how um, that's how I was able to to read at a faster level and 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 even going through 
uh, elementary to middle school and high school, my my math was subpar, but my English and reading skills was at the highest percent because I started with comic books yeah. and that was what I enjoyed. And, and then, like I said, besides the art, you know, that helped me to start drawing and things like that. So um, I know personally for me, I, I know comic books has always been an integral part of, you know, my growth. Um, you know, education, up. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. I feel like comic fans, you know, growing up, especially when, when we grew up, have like a kind of larger odder vocabulary than like people we know like yeah. we know what excelsior meant right like yeah. from the age of 11 right all these words you know all, all the crazy dialogue that stanley was using chris yeah. claremont on the x-men books you yeah know, nigh invulnerable all these yeah. all these all these phrases that he would you know telekinesis teleporting all these words that we just knew you know um um uh, omnipotent, right? Yeah. You know, I knew omnipotent when I was ten. Yeah, that was from, You know, it was either Galactus or it was you know some cosmic being. You yeah. know, it's, it's it's hilarious. It's really and it's it's cool to now then take that kind of what we know is just kind of like inherent educational possibility of comics yeah. and see educators like really want to access that in the classroom. Oh yeah, right? we have a partnership with KPBS. Uh, and their One Book, One San Diego program where Little Fish goes into classrooms throughout the year and crafts a curriculum over the course of the week where students take a creative writing piece and turn that into a comic book. Yeah. And it's really cool now and still kind of uh, surreal to me to have educators just uh, immediately be on board with comics as an educational tool and not need any kind of convincing, right? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> Right, you know, after like our our childhood, and we kind of steal ourselves to be like, you know, I'm gonna defend comics, you know, I'm gonna fight the good fight, and so it's weird when I meet a teacher for the first time, and I'm prepared to, you know, like start laying out like Scott McCloud's principles of why it works, you know, all this stuff, and they go, okay, so comics is a legitimate art form, and it's really great educationally, uh, and all this stuff, and I'm like, no, that's wrong because comic. Oh wait! Oh, you agree with me? Oh, that's weird. I don't. I don't know you, and you already agree. But that's weird. Okay, yeah. you know. But it's. I feel like we. It's almost 180 degrees from where it was when, oh, yeah. when I was growing up. Uh, yeah. 25 years ago. Yeah. It's sort of. Yeah. It's. It's very. It's weird because I mean, even now, um, you know, obviously, you know, growing up, you know, everybody thought of it as you know the funny books and and things like that, and now you just with. You know the awareness of, of even with the movies and and just the different um, shows and things that's been based off of graphic novels and, and comic books that that's out. I think the the acceptance of it has been more wide stream now than than ever before. Yeah. Um, and it's been. I mean, even I, even for you, I'm sure it's been easier to come in and 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 you know talk about your program and and Little Fish and what you do and be able to pitch that to someone. And they're like, yeah, let's let's go. Where you know probably. Years ago, they'd be like, uh, "Little fish comment, like what?" Yeah, half the that... meeting would have had to have been explaining, <laughs> like justifying my existence yeah. <laughs> and why it could work. And so, the, I think that part of it is I go into a meeting and all of a sudden I like have to throw out half the notes because I'm like, "Well, okay, like they, they're accepting of me. Okay, I don't have to." Yeah. And I'm like, "What do I feel this meeting with now?" Like, yeah, no. <laughs> they're because you know teachers. At this point, Little Fish has been around seven years, and uh, we have a, a good reputation. Um, and so teachers are generally trusting of the curriculum that we want to put in place. And so I go in ready to, like, defend comics, and like, and they go, great, uh, whatever you want. And I'm like, oh, is the meeting over? Like, what, wow. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? You know? And then it's, it's kind of cool, because then we get to get into the nuts and bolts of what 
we're going to do how, you know, because a lot of these teachers now have read all three of Scott McCloud's books. Yeah. And so they, and they're using words like, so you're going to work on all the different shots and, um, and panel transitions and yeah. And I'm like, wow, like, you know, <laughs> you know the vocabulary. Right? Yeah. <laughs> So as far as the the classics, I know I've I've done a few of the mm -hmm. uh, few of your classes, and uh, I know I'm still learning stuff. But uh, can you could you explain you know to our audience as far as even just simple principles uh, as far as um, the the comic book page and how it's laid out? Could you could you sort of further explain? Yeah. Uh, so you know, comics is interesting because it's it's a it's both a combination. It's both writing and. Uh, static visual art yeah and yet by combining those two things it's neither right yeah. because uh, when you combine words and pictures like that the the balance of the two shifts not just from page to page but from panel to panel yeah as you know and so sometimes the words purposefully carry the entire impact sometimes the visuals carry the entire sometimes there it's 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 50 50 yeah. right and that shifts panel to panel and then page to page and so with our classes what we do is we focus on the idea that comics and learning about um, sequential art and mm -hmm. comic storytelling is a combination of both uh, kind of process meaning like uh, the literal you know uh, one two three point perspective yeah. anatomy all those classic fundamentals of any art and then also projects so really kind of simultaneously implementing those to see what works for each particular storyteller. Yeah. That's the thing, as a comic book artist, you're really more a storyteller, a visual storyteller, yeah. right? It's it's not just a series of static pictures, you yeah. know, and for me, um, you know, in my opinion, um, and I do have a college degree in comics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is and, an actual and the, degree. <laughs> and, the, and the college debt to prove it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a topic um, for another. <laughs> that's a whole another podcast. Um, it's, you know, it's the, the least successful comic book artists for me are those that think of it as a series of static images kind of laid out next to each other, yeah. right? The, the best comic storytellers or artists are the ones that... Um, Think of the page as uh, what Will Eisner used to call the meta panel. Basically, like the page itself needs to work as a whole organism altogether, and all the pieces. The way we think of composition, you know, just inherently in uh, visual arts like painting, drawing, sculpture. Yeah. Right. Uh, that sense of composition not only has to be true for each individual panel, but then it has to work for all the panels in conjunction with each other. Right? Yeah. You can't just go like this. You have to also take a step back and see the whole organism, right? Yeah. And those are the st strongest uh, comic storytellers for me. Jack Kirby, Will Eisner, oh, Carl yeah. Barks, you know, all those guys understood that it's this like uh, storytelling process. It's not just doing great drawings, even though all oh, those yeah. guys were obviously great, great artists. Uh, they were also... Uh, really strong isn't even the word uh, kind of inherently genius storytellers where a lot yeah. of them you could just strip out the words and still get the emotional impact and kind of coherence of the of the stories all right once again we're here at panels coming book and coffee bar here in oceanside california right off of mission avenue great coffee great drinks um i said great drinks um great coffee great <laughs> treats um you know cookies, 
some of the latest graphic novels, comic books. Please, uh, please check them out. Uh, honestly, for me right now, I'm reading War, War of Realms from Marvel. So um, if you're in here, hey, check it out. Um, they've got all kinds of titles uh, besides the, the the big companies. They do have a, a lot of indie comic books as well. So please, you know, support your local creators too. There's a lot of creators around here um, that's doing some great stuff. So uh, please, like I said, please support them. Uh, today we have Alonzo with uh, Little Fish Comic Book Studio, and he's been talking to us about uh, the the basics and the, uh, the the well the basic layouts of and composition of a comic book page and how um how creating that page almost makes a um it's part of the gestalt of, mm -hmm. yeah. of, of the book and you it's know work. yeah <laughs> and uh i think i've learned that from uh from a comic book i think it was, <laughs> i can't remember what it was um but uh yeah it's 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 one of those to where some of the the best storytellers uh you know that you talked about will eisner is it, just a you know was just a genius jack kirby all all of them uh back in the past they they were just natural um, storytellers and were able to, you know, use that that page to the to the fullest. Um, even, you know, going even with uh, the with the Watchmen mm -hmm. graphic novel with um, who's that? Alan Moore um, and Dave Gibbons. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just it, it was it was so much stuff going on in there. Even the way they laid out the the pages, uh, it started from the if you hadn't seen the Watchmen but or read it, uh, one of the greatest graphic novels ever. But um, they it started off with the comedian mm -hmm. uh, with that button, yeah, uh, and then, button. yeah, and that yeah. ended yeah. at the at the end of the graphic novel with that same button, yeah. Uh, so you know, just like little little things like that. Um, do you do you feel like even with creators now? Do you feel like people, certain creators or certain uh, publishers or company? You feel like just with the almost the I, I guess the, the the monthly grind of, of mm -hmm. getting all these titles out. Do you feel like some of them sort of forgot the lost? That lost start. Yeah, I think I forget who said this. I don't. Uh, it might have been Howard Chaykin, uh, legendary comic reader. I, I think it was someone, maybe uh, before Howard, but um, uh, said uh, seventy percent of any product is crap. Right? You know. So I, yeah. I You know. I think. <laughs> I think that's always true. You yeah. know. It's right. You don't go into Vons or Ralphs and just pick up anything. You're like, well, I know that's bad. Right. Yeah. And so you know, there, there is. Um, I think there's always going to be bad storytelling yeah. or uh, people on the kind of lower end of the talent pool, you know, to yeah. be generous. But um, I think there is, luckily, still in comics, right, the, the fear I think that uh, we can kind of have is that with the success of the uh, movie, movie industry right now, and yeah. especially Marvel and Aquaman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a sidebar, I love that Aquaman has now become the bar against yeah. which all DC movies are measured, right? Yeah. I, I, I can't believe I live, I, I'm living in a very interesting timeline where a article in an actual newspaper can say, while not reaching the height of Aquaman, Shazam was a strong, I'm like, what are we talking, this is like, yeah. we're not <laughs> aspiring to Aquaman. Right? <laughs> Anyways, you know, um, there can be the fear that artistically the tail starts wagging the dog and that comic books start to become too uh, driven by kind of cinematic storytelling, yeah. right? Which is strong and has its own place in comics, but comics is a very different art form than film, yeah. right? You know, comics are static. Uh, comics are meant to be viewed in relationship uh, panel to panel and page to page, right? Yeah. Whereas movies, um, you know, movies use space the way, um, I mean, uh, movies use time the way 
comic cube space, right? They, yeah. They progress across space, across a static uh, rectangle. Mm -hmm. Whereas comics, the the size varies of each panel, um, the layout of each page yeah. uh, varies or doesn't vary, um, hopefully on purpose. Um, and the risk, I think, right now is that uh, comic books just try to be movies that are sold in stores, right? Yeah. But th there is some really strong work out there that I feel like, it, even from uh, Marvel and DC, keeps it um, still open and experimental and really fun. I just yeah. finished um, uh, Mr. Miracle by Tom I heard King. that was good. I, I the brave one of the issues. That, that's crazy. I can't recommend that enough. Go get Mr. Miracle uh, right now. It's collected. I think it was 12 issues all in one volume. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about Watchmen. Watchmen kind of famously used a nine-panel grid, right? Three by three panels. Yeah. Um, and then would break that sometimes where, but that was always the starting place. Yeah. Mr. Miracle uses that nine-panel grid and I think literally only breaks away from nine panels, I think, twice. Oh, wow. In the whole 12 issues. And when I first <laughs> learned that, I was like, that sounds like an interesting experiment. Yeah. It also sounds like it's going to be really tedious yeah. and too static. But yeah. the storytelling is so clever. Um, it's written by Tom King and uh, drawn by Mitch Jarrett. Um, the storytelling is so clever and so heartfelt um, that you kind of appreciate it. Yeah. Right? It's it's a phenomenal book. Yeah, yeah, I picked up one of the one of the issues and it was I think he was having to fight Darkseed over uh -huh. over yeah. his over son. son. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, i I read it and I was like, oh my God. I was like, this is this, like this is one one of the best like DC issues I've read in a uh -huh. while. But but also so different. Yeah. Right? You know, because uh, if anyone, you know, uh, knows these characters and is picturing what the fight looks like if you haven't read this, it's not what you think it looks like, right? Because yeah. it's still it's like these <laughs> weird moments, these clipped moments, yeah. right? Tom King has a military background, and so you can tell that he he understands kind of the, like the full range, in essence, of war, you know, not to sound too cliche. Yeah. And so it doesn't, like, romanticize it, right? And doesn't, like, in either direction, right? Yeah. It's not like, war is awful, right? Or war is glorious. He, <laughs> it's just very, like, nitty-gritty, including the Dark Side one, where it feels like just another everyday occurrence for them. Yeah. It's really striking. <laughs> so, um, back to, back to Little Fish. What, what classes, what, what things are you offering in the, in the school that's helping, um, that's helping any aspiring creator, writer, um, editor, mm -hmm. anyone like yeah. that? Um, what, what classes are you offering right now that, that's sort of helping them build a foundation, you know, for their, potential career so we've got we've got a whole range of classes so we've got um, all our classes except for one mm -hmm. which I'll get to in a second are all ages all abilities okay. um, and I mean that like literally that doesn't mean like all ages like 12 to 16 yeah. right that's like uh, we start at 12 and it runs up through you know adults older than me you know um, yeah. and it's um, and all abilities like I had a, a woman start one of our classes uh, she's a writer uh, and she wants to make a graphic novel about um, pit bulls and how they uh, uh, rehabilitating the negative image that's been associated with them, yeah. right through fighting and, um, and uh, this really vicious kind of training. And wanted to write a graphic novel, so she is in the studio, literally with no background in comics, writing a script right now. Right, wow. I think she's up to like 
64 pages, right? Well, at this point, I'm like, let's 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 maybe stop it. Let's, <laughs> let's cap it there, right? We're getting we're getting a little, you know, we're ballooning, right? Yeah. Um, we had planned it. I think originally it's 32, so it's double that now. So we're gonna, we're gonna stop. <laughs> but um, uh, we start with our young artist class. Is our only class that's not all ages. It's for uh, six year olds up to ten year olds, yeah. right? So uh, lots of fundamentals. Uh, lots of kind of experimentation that's uh, age appropriate so yeah. for example last week uh, celebrating uh, the 80th birthday of Batman yeah uh, I went through the history of Batman I always like to integrate uh, history um, and kind of anecdotes about the comic industry kind of sneak them in right you know, um, <laughs> a spoonful of sugar right um, just sneak in the history of comics and so I went over all the different iterations of Batman from you know, the Dark Knight Detective to, uh, we talked about the Thomas Wayne Flashpoint Batman to yeah. the superheroic Batman mm -hmm. to the kooky Batman of like the 50s that's having, <laughs> fighting like Tyrannosaurus Rexes on the moon, you know, all the way that back to the, that was, that was so good, <laughs> all the way back to the first Batman who had purple gloves and shot a gun, yep. right? It was totally different Batman. Uh, and, and then they drew, um, integrating that reference, drew... Uh, whatever version appealed to them, keeping yeah. it. And the goal there is uh, to get them drawing, but then also that if you held it up, you would be able to instantly tell which Batman it was. Right. Oh, so wow. they're queuing into like visual vocabulary and being able to identify things yeah. uh, with little signifiers. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the rest of our classes uh, are all ages, all abilities, and run the gamut from uh, writing to drawing, inking, kind of all facets of the comic book industry. Yeah. Uh, up through um, project management, which is our class for people that are in the middle of a thing that they are working on, mm -hmm. um, and are at the studio to have a space to work, um, get feedback, um, get um, like kind of advice on uh, printers, yeah. on graphic designers if they need help with that. Yeah. Right? Because a lot of comic artists, you know. Uh, uh, when it comes to InDesign and laying stuff out, yeah. like, I don't want to do that, yeah. right? And I'm like, well, that's fine, but that means you have to pay someone to do yes. that, right? You know, or collaborate with someone, yep. and then you, you know, in some way you're going to pay, right? Yeah. You know, either split it up, you know. Um, so the whole range of the the comic experience, um, and when when you were taking classes a, a few a few years ago, I think it was just me teaching. Uh, yeah, we now have myself and four other instructors okay. so it's uh it's a whole range we've got dedicated teachers for digital art yeah um uh, drawing uh animation um just kind of a sidebar of comics but mm -hmm. you know has overlap uh and writing so dedicated uh classes oh wow things. Yeah, yeah wow yeah i'll definitely need to go back and uh pretty soon and probably jump in all those classes <laughs> uh, so and you were and I think it was one good thing you, you had mentioned uh, especially with a uh, with graphic designers I, I now I, I sort of noticed um, even with some of the comic books that's coming out that there's a lot of artists that were trained as graphic designers mm -hmm. that's starting to break into the industry now yeah. and it's almost it's almost easier for them because they know certain principles mm -hmm. as far as design and layout and even production yeah um, do you, do you feel like, I mean, do you feel like as far as coming from a different industry or something like that from a graphic design industry, do you feel like the bar for them is, um, is I guess the entry point is easier to get in than someone, you know, starting off from just traditional art. They're wanting to, you know, start a comic book, but they have no idea whatsoever as far as on the production side 
Uh, but do you feel like it's easier for like graphic designers and people that's been trained in that to come into the comic book industry? I, I do. You know, it's uh, it's comics are so uh, so digital now. Um, even uh, you know, you can work. You can still work a hundred percent traditionally, right? Yep. Uh, pencil. Uh, you know, uh, pens, uh, brushes, and India ink, right? But then that artwork gets scanned in, mm -hmm. and then the lettering, the coloring, yeah. the lettering, you know, for the most part, there's exceptions, but the coloring, 100%, mm -hmm. unless you're painting it, um, the editing, all this stuff is done digitally, right? Yeah. Layout for production, yep. right? For publication, all that stuff is done digitally. And the more that you know how to access those things, um, the better it is as a professional. And if you're coming from another art field that's so digital and so production oriented, yeah. it takes that kind of concern and that um, uh, necessary learning just off the table. Yep. You've already got those tools in your bag, right? Yeah. And if you have a just a strictly drawing uh, background, you can learn, right, all these other things, but you have to learn it, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, it's, it's not already backgrounded, so yeah. like inherent. Uh, I mean, a lot of the strongest artists uh, throughout comics history, uh, Neil Adams, Jim Starenko, mm -hmm. um, you know, Will Eisner was like this, really had a, uh, an interest in production and experimentation, yeah. right? And so were involved, and so their work could have this extra strength um, and personality to it because they were involved yeah. you know that's part of it you can you can not learn uh the stuff that we're talking about but then that yeah. means that your work as it gets finished is at the mercy of so many other people right oh, because yeah. it's not like you finish uh an 11 by 17 mm -hmm. sheet of bristle board and you take that to a comic shop yeah. right and it's got it gets shrunk <laughs> down there's a lot of there are a lot of steps before that sausage is ready for the market yeah right? Yeah, got to got to understand the difference between RGB and CMYK because exactly what your colors, how you think your colors going to show, is going to be completely different, and you have to adjust for that. So, yeah, just uh, you know, just all those all those little things, and they, that you know, I think aspiring you know creators you know have to know that mm -hmm. and if you don't, you got to be. And you're gonna have a a great surprise when you get your book. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> and sometimes it's a good surprise. Sometimes you're yeah. like, well, "Look at that! That's amazing!" Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, it's like, "I don't know what happened." Yeah. You know? uh, I look awful, and I might never get hired again. That's the thing, because uh, when you know, uh, fair or not, when a reader picks up work in a comic store um, and doesn't order it from Amazon, goes to a comic store. Yeah. Um, uh, from their local comic book store and flips through it, any artistic decisions they're gonna, without without knowing any background, will automatically associate that with the artist. Yeah. Right? And and by artist, I mean if it's if there's a pencil and an inker, they're gonna blame everything on the pencil. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, <laughs> like I've seen really strong pencils ruined by inks, and they blame and readers, understandably, blame that on the pencil because they think it was the pencil yeah. fault because. Uh, you know, Chasing Amy is now 20 years old, but we still a lot of times think of inking as tracing, right? <laughs> Almost like just darkening the pencils. But all of these are, are various steps, and so unless you're totally okay with your uh, your reputation and uh, artistic decision-making being like totally, you know, out in the wind, yeah. I would absolutely recommend that you put uh, a foot and a half in the digital world and, and learn, um, just learn the basics of 
in design of uh, Photoshop and Illustrator. Yeah. Um, you know, and and just visit a print shop. You know, understand how they do stuff, why they do stuff. Yep. You know, you know why they're choosing certain paper grades, um, saturation levels, all this stuff that's important. Yeah. All right, if you're just tuning in, we have Alonzo, the founder of Little Fish Comic Book Studios. Going back to Little Fish, what uh, what what counts are you are you offering right now, especially for the summertime? I know yeah. you know parents are trying to figure out where to where to take their kids and everything. What what summer summer camps are you offering? Uh, so we have a full range um, of summer camps, uh, both at the the kid level, uh, which is seven to eleven years of age, and at the teen level, twelve up through seventeen. Yeah. Uh, you can find those on our website. Um, there's a camps tab. Um, the, we have uh, a early registration uh, discount uh, in effect for the next two weeks. So uh, get on that if you want to the spot and a lot of the camps are starting to fill up so take a look at those yeah. uh, and of course email us if you have any questions you know a lot of times I get I get calls from parents right because it's not often you get a, a whole week-long comic camp right yeah. <laughs> some kids have done comics in the middle of like a general art camp they might yeah. do like maybe a couple hours of comics but so especially in the early years I get a phone call from parents that were like I think in essence wanted to make sure I was legit and like, you know, a real thing. And they were like, so they're going to be making comics the whole weekend. I was like, yeah, it's going to be great. You know, and they were like, huh. Uh, one of the other things too, um, I just want to mention is growing up when, when we grew up, uh, comic readership was probably 80, 90% guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. At least. Right. Um, and so I get, I get phone calls from parents asking, if they have a daughter, if their daughter is going to be the only girl in the class. But with um, the shift in the comic industry, we can talk about this if you want, uh, yeah. the, the makeup of a lot of our camps will be 80% girls, 20% guys. Oh, wow. So it's crazy. So if you have a daughter, don't worry. Uh, she's going to be in the majority. So um, and, and she'll love it. Yeah, honestly, and I think that's a natural evolution, even, even with a lot of um, girls, they, I mean, I, I think a lot of them are, the, the, the creative ones anyway, they're natural storytellers, like mm -hmm. they love creating, you know, just imaginal stories and things like that. I think even now with comic books and, and graphic novels and, and sort of giving an opportunity for a lot of um, uh, minority and female mm -hmm. um, yeah. representation, I, I think the, uh, the avenue for that is could be huge. Any female creators that's looking yeah. to, you know, create their own book and, yeah, you know, even going and not a, not a even uh, aside from comic books, even animation and, and movies and things like that, uh, TV shows. I think now uh, uh, there's been a lot more uh, representation. Look at Spider Verse. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting too because, um, in large part, uh, due to the meteor that is Raina Tegelmeyer. Uh, yeah, Raina uh, has done uh, full graphic novels. Um, uh, you know that are uh, all hers. Smile Sister Drama Space. And then four adaptations of babysitter club okay. uh, books. So she's done eight total, um, and she's working on her ninth and tenth uh, right now. Um, yeah, and those eight books last year, uh, Bookscan, which measures the sales of all books, uh, but then uh, there's a retailer, Brian Hibbs, up in San Francisco that will select out just the graphic novels to see what graphic novels are yeah. selling. Right. Uh, you know, taking out all the uh, the books without pictures. They still make those. Um, <laughs> Uh, last year, out of the top 20 graphic novels sold, uh -huh. uh, Reina's eight graphic novels all sold in the top 20. Fish, comic book studio, if you've been tuned in, that's awesome. If you just tuned in, 
we're talking about common books, talking about graphic novels, we're talking about, you know, how to even get started. And Little Fish is doing all kinds of different things to for any creator uh, of any age um, to to get started with their with their own comic book and graphic novel. But in order to do that, you have to know the rules. You have to know just the, the basic rules of a foundation of creating a page all the way up to final production. Uh, Little Fish is doing all kinds of different things to help you, help the creator, uh, really go from, from A to Z and produce that, that comic book and graphic novel that you've always wanted or figure out a way to get into the industry. And they, I know Lonzo's got all kinds of contacts and having that, you know, if you, like I said, they've got classes that you can join. They've got, uh, you know, obviously the uh, comic book class, they've got a, a writer's class, digital art, animation. So whatever your forte is, Little Fish is, is there to provide it. And we were talking about uh, representation, female representation. And, you know, even with the summer camps, you know, for, for female creators, for girl creators, you're probably going to be the majority. So uh, come in there, have fun, write, create, um, do what you love to do. And so in uh, one of those summer camps, what, what time do those? Uh, summer camps uh, run uh, in, in parent language. They're full-day camps, so which means 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Yeah. Uh, so full six hours, uh, five days a week for, for a full week of camp. Cool. So, yeah. Cool. Well, we'll go into some uh, some other um, questions, almost a, a little lightning round of thoughts, and yeah. we'll we'll go into the question of the week and something that uh, it will usually we'll we'll get questions from from different uh, from our audience from Instagram from Facebook. One of the questions were was how do you stay motivated? And I put even as a parent, creative teacher, and what kind of insight would you give to the to that person or to the audience on how you stay motivated? Coffee. Yeah, <laughs> yep. that, was, that was easy. See, lightning round. Um, you know, how do I stay motivated? I, um, as you know, kind of all three. Like as a as an instructor, teacher, uh, advocate for comic, um, as a creative, as an artist, right? Yeah. Uh, and as a parent, it's always finding new challenges for myself, yeah. right? Uh, and you can kind of put parenting aside because parenting is always just inherently supplying new challenges, right? Yes. Um, the parenting is kind of like a job where just as you get good at it, it changes, right? And you have to get good at it again. So it's it's kind of just keeping up, right? Yeah. With 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 my kids, I have uh, two kids, a seven year old and ten year old. So the ten year old is starting middle school next year. So oh, it's a whole cool. it's a whole new ball of wax, right? So right, it's uh, that's my that's my motivation. There is you know it's got to turn into the infinity war. Oh god, man. it really is. <laughs> I can't let her get all the stones, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then as a, as a creative um, and as a director of the studio, it's always, I mean, I think I, this is what made me a good artist and made it so I was never going to work a traditional nine to five, is I always need to be thinking about ways to shift or change what I'm doing. Yes. Right? And that might be finishing a project, whether that be a full graphic novel or a quick four-pager or even a single illustration, I always realize that I'm thinking about, uh, like looking backwards and looking at my workflow. Like what does my yeah. workflow look like? Could I improve it? Would I change something? Yeah. Uh, and of course your projects are always different uh, from one another uh, for the most part. And you're, you're going to have to um, adapt just because of it. But mm -hmm. I always take a period to look back and almost do like a, a creative autopsy and like look at like, the, you know, being honest with myself as much as possible, like, you know, was I procrastinating? If so, why? You know, yeah. and then that might be like, okay, uh, I'm going to 
I'm gonna uh, uh, take uh, the Facebook app off my phone, you know, for this month, right? <laughs> yeah. That type of thing, you know, like, and I can use Facebook on my lap, you know, like all this stuff. Uh, really, kind of keeping an eye on your time, yeah. uh, checking in with yourself, you know, and uh, and by workflow, I also mean like, how am I working, right? Could I be using a different tool, right? Yeah, maybe because uh, sometimes, like, as, as an artist. I'll, like a, a brush seems like the most pure tool you can use. But I realize, uh, depending on the project, I might be doing something where I could have gotten 95% of that effect, but double the speed using like either pens or a uh, Pentel brush pen yeah. has a little bit less uh, kind of beauty to it, yeah. but can be uh, cranked out a little bit faster, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and, and so treating, you know, balancing the art with the uh, professional aspects of it, meaning yeah. like this is a job, I need to keep <laughs> the bills paid and the electricity on. Yeah, and of course I want it to be as like artistic as possible. But is there a way to get there always faster? Oh you yeah, know? Uh, <laughs> Captain Marvel, right? Uh, uh, faster, uh, farther. Um, I got to get the other one. Uh, but you know, like uh, always higher, right? Always, always more. Yeah. Um, you know, it's. I think it was uh, Jack Kirby that said, uh, "Inspiration is for amateurs," right? Yeah. So you set a, a schedule for yourself, and you just you just jump in. You yeah. know, um, and a big part of that for me also is um, uh, sketching. And uh, mm -hmm. sketching, I, I was just having a conversation with a, a teacher who's a, a friend of mine, uh, and I use sketching um, obviously primarily artistically, but I also mean it kind of. In any field, creative or not, yeah. you know. So uh, uh, Gil Kane, uh, famous artist of, of the Silver Age uh, and Bronze Age, would always kind of like an athlete set aside an hour when he started each workday to just sketch, yeah. you know, on on anything. It could be hands one day, it could be faces, could be using reference or something like that. Yeah, always to warm up and get in a groove. Yeah, and then hit the ground running. Uh, and so, like as. Uh, Director of Littlefish always set, set aside the first hour of my day to kind of like uh, play around with ideas. Like, yeah. you know, what could we do something differently? Even if it's exploring an idea that you know is crazy or can't be uh, ascertained, you know, can't be reached, you mm -hmm. know, in any kind of uh, present day. Like, I was just thinking about like having a Littlefish traveling booth that maybe we connect with other professionals in other countries and that booth travels the country oh, wow. or the world you know and i was like well right that's not happening anytime soon but it was like and setting it so setting aside time for myself to think about those things helps me then not not procrastinate and then also not worrying about having time to think about those things oh, right? yeah. i might be thinking about that during some other thing where yeah. i need to focus more and i'm then you're thinking about thinking, which starts to drive you crazy when you're like, oh, I shouldn't be thinking about this right now, you <laughs> yeah. know, and then you realize you're thinking about thinking about, you know, it's just, you fall down the rabbit hole. So, um, you know, as an, as an instructor or as a director, I'll set aside time to just like take off the constraints and just like have fun, you know, yeah. like what would I do? You know, all the stuff that I find uh, I procrastinate over, I like give myself room to procrastinate on. Yeah, right, you know, or worry. Like that was another thing. I was, I was just, uh, I did a uh, some mock interviews with uh, the seniors at Monarch School, which is uh, down in Barrio Logan, mm -hmm. uh, a couple of days ago. And, uh, you know, I always hate this job 
interview question, so I always use this when I'm helping kids with mock interviews. You know, what's your greatest weakness, right? Yeah. You know, I hate that question. Right? <laughs> I care too much, right? <laughs> I work too hard, right? And uh, one of the students was honest and said, I worry a lot. Like, I found myself worrying too much. Yeah. Uh, how do I avoid that? And I said, well, don't avoid it. Like, give it room, like, not to the point where it's crippling you, right? But, like, give yourself, like, 15 minutes. Like before you start, for, for them it's like a paper or yeah. you know something uh, related to high school. Give yourself 15 minutes to basically like work through like what am I worried about? Like I'm worried I'm going to fail or like this is yeah. going to be awful. Just get all that stuff out and then it's like it's, it's, it's been verbalized, it's like conscious mm -hmm. and it's not like sitting there kind of stewing as you're working, right? Yeah. Like I'll, I'll go through like my whole right neurotic um, Roman Catholic list of, of, <laughs> of guilts and worries before I start a project, you know, like this is going to be awful, the penciler isn't going to like my inks, I'm not going to finish on time and then I realize, oh, okay. I mean, these are all things that could happen, but yeah. I'm now aware of them, and hopefully they won't happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, imagination is, is far worse than, than reality. Uh, totally. Exactly. And the minute you put it into reality, yeah. you can kind of uh, clip it, right? Or all of a sudden, it's in a box, and you uh, can yeah. see it, right? Yeah. And even if it is like a little worry monster, uh, yeah. it's, it's like it's in a box, and you can see it. It's not like floating around your head. Right? And that, that, that went back to a great point as far as just creating space to be able to if even if you're worried, you know, if there's thoughts and things that's running in your head, you know, creating that space to just see it for what it is and mm -hmm. and work through it. You know, don't yeah. fight it yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's going to get worse. Exactly. But yeah. give it that space that it that it's wanting. I mean, uh, I think a lot of times uh, that a lot of times our, our worries and our problems, we usually we've already got the answer for a lot of those mm -hmm. things. Yeah. So just you know, really just creating that space to be able to you know go through it and and digest it and and go from there yeah um and so i i i think that i mean i, I know even for me I, you know i try to create certain uh, routines mm -hmm. morning routines yeah uh before i even you know get started with stuff and a lot of times i'll have texts and emails already popping up because mm -hmm. I, I mean i work with people out here and on the east coast okay. so yeah. my phone yeah. pops you know i get texts and emails and stuff early in the morning yeah before and, you're even awake yeah right, sure. and, yeah. A, and a lot of times i've Used to, I would automatically be like, I'll start responding. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll see it, and I'll be like, okay, I'll deal with it after I get myself sort of primed uh -huh. for the day. Exactly. Right. Then I'll then I'll attack it. But yeah. um, I, I think sometimes we can, just a lot, a lot of creators, entrepreneurs, sometimes we can get just get into a, a reaction mode mm -hmm. so yeah, quickly yeah, yeah. that we're like I say, when you you're you're starting to take time for yourself to. Think about those ideals. Think about you know those those worries and those things that you know that uh, that maybe you know haunting you or, or sort of um, creating challenges for you. But at least you're taking the time to sort of digest it and and working on that. And yeah, even the, one of the biggest quotes I heard was you know from a motivational speaker named uh, Jim Rohn, and he talked about you know just you know work harder on yourself than you do your your job. Mm -hmm. right, and right. I, I think a lot of people do the opposite, where they work so yeah. hard yeah. on their job, but they're not really thinking about where am I at right now? What things can I do? What things can I do to, to grow, to evolve? And even, like I said, when you start thinking about those like that, even with the, with the like a little pop-up stand and going around, uh, not to say that couldn't happen, but those seeds get sort of dropped in to where it ends up sort of growing into something else completely exactly, different. Right. You gotta just let it sit yeah. and grow on its own. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's, you know, one, one of the other things I love, uh, and it's funny because, uh, I'll, I'll mention this uh, anecdote to uh, other creators, and some hate it, uh, 
and something love it. Uh, I want your feedback as uh, where you fall in this. So um, I, I read in an interview, uh, this was a, a, another story about Gil Kane. Yeah. Um, Gil Kane was notorious for thinking uh, that he wasn't good enough, right? Yeah. And this is the man that created uh, Hal Jordan. He created the Silver Age Adam. Yeah. Uh, he, he was the artist on the death of Gwen Stacy. Uh, yeah. He did... I think 90% of Marvel's covers in the 70s, yeah. including uh, <laughs> that giant size X-Men one that we all know. Oh, yes. X-Men, like, that's Gil Kane, right? So Gil Kane's a legend, yeah. but was always notorious for thinking he wasn't good enough. Yeah. Right? Always had the self-doubt. But so uh, he would um, he would go to his drawing desk every day, and he'd sit down, and he'd say out loud to himself, Gil, my boy, you weren't as good as you were yesterday, and you're not ever going to be as good as you want to be. Now let's get to work. And he just like get all that out, right? Yeah. And I, I I read that and I was like, I love that. Yeah. Like that just like gets it all out. But uh, but then I was I was talking to uh, Klaus Jansen, mm-hmm. um, who's my mentor and who had uh, spent time uh, with Gil uh, in kind of a informal mentorship capacity in the seventies. Yeah. And I told that story to Klaus over lunch at one point, and he goes. My God! If I had to say that to myself every morning, I'd shoot myself. <laughs> right. So, so Klaus fell in the camp of like, like I can't deal with that nonsense, right? Yeah. You know. But for me, I was like, oh, and I feel like that helped me deal with my nonsense, right? Oh, yeah. But Klaus is so efficient. Talk about workflow. Yeah. Right? Klaus, Klaus has workflow down. I mean, the man's been in the in, in the industry for forty five years. So, wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. You, you don't you don't get there by accident. Yeah. You get real efficient. Yeah. And that's. <laughs> That's the name of the game. Or you die. Yes. <laughs> Either grow or die. That's, that's the name of the game in the comic book industry. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I fall into the line. I, and I, honestly, I, I'm, I'm sort of more on the Gil Kane side, to where I, even in my profession as a as a graphic designer, uh, you know, I'll create you know it's different solutions for clients, and and it's one of those to where um, I still, I honestly, I still feel like I got you know, more to, more to grow. I, mm-hmm. A lot of times I feel like a lot of my work, a lot of my designs is, you know, is all right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but, um, that's, and at the same time too, that's, that, that was, sort of, I think it drives me mm, totally. to sort yeah. of keep pushing and keep, keep growing and, you know, keep creating. Um, I, I think when I, now I'll have people will say, Oh man, you, you know, your work is awesome and, you know, things like that. And, you know, that's, that's great. But, yeah, it's one of those where um, I still see myself almost like a uh, student, mm-hmm. and I'm still there's still for me there's still thing, more things to learn. Right. And um, so I, I think, however, people you know, I, even with Gil Kane, you know, people call him a genius, I call him a master, and I think that's with the from the from the perceivers of his work mm-hmm. and the yeah. people that's calling him a master. I, I think with him, he I think he still I think he was still in a. Um, in a, like a student. student's mind yeah, yeah. and exactly. it's one of those where that's I think for me that's where I want to be at I uh-huh. want to be yeah. where even 10 or 20 years yeah, and I'm perpetually yeah and yeah. I'm yeah I'm creating this work I think in the, in the long run I think when my, my life is over and you see the whole collection of all my designs and work and stuff yeah I think people could say like he I amassed this great work of art and all this all these things but to me I mean I think every day is just uh, you know I want to learn something mm-hmm. new yeah. and uh, yeah, I def- definitely don't see me as a master <laughs> at all. Um, uh, I see myself as just a, a student, and that's something that I 
that goes for my creative career. That goes for even with me. Uh, like I said, I do a lot of you know, wrestling and jujitsu and things like that. So I'll, even and even as a parent, I'm always learning new ways of, of, of thinking, new ways of how, how can I communicate with my mm -hmm. kids, right. uh, how yep. can I communicate with, with students that I train, fighters that I train, yeah. uh, and even learning about myself when, I, when, I, when I'm training and working out. Um, I'm always learning a little something mm -hmm. different. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that, that goes for my art, that goes for design. Um, you know, just uh, there's always something to learn. I, I think I'll never call myself a master at all even right. if I you know came out with some award-winning graphic novel and all this stuff uh, I, there's still something else to learn yeah and I think that comes with the mindset yeah you start to understand why some like when you're younger it seems like false modesty when creators get up in any yeah. field and get an award <laughs> and they're like I don't deserve this yeah like, you understand like oh no those are the strongest creators yeah right? the ones that have that student mindset yeah like they're growing they're learning they're not you're hopefully never feeling like you're at the top of the mountain. Yeah. Then there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. Right? And so it, it helps you understand creators that are like, I don't know why I'm getting this. Right. And, and you want to <laughs> yeah. be like, you know, even Will Eisner. Right. Will Eisner would be like, oh, I don't deserve this anymore. And you're like, it, it almost seemed like uh, insincere. Right. Come yeah. on, you're Will Eisner. But we see him as Will Eisner. Yeah. Right. But he was like a perpetual student himself. You yeah. Know? Like Will. Um, you know, Will died, I think it was in 2005 or mm -hmm. six, and up until the, the year he died, he was always at conventions, not reminiscing about, like, the glory days, and Will had been there at the start of the industry, mm -hmm. but he, he didn't want to talk about, like, remember so-and-so, and, like, this was my best work, do stuff like that. Yeah. He, I remember seeing him in, like, the webcomic sec section at San Diego Comic-Con in the, in the early aughts, being like, what program are you using? Yeah. Like, what platforms are you? Like, Will was always looking for that next challenge, yeah. that next step. Right? Yeah, I, I think that's the, the the ability of any great creator is figuring out, you know, how to pivot. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that that's something that I'm I'm a big preacher of. That you know, even in your creative career, you're not gonna be, you know, where you are, you know, forever. Mm -hmm. You have to learn new skills. You have to learn how to pivot. You you have to learn how to grow. Mm -hmm. um, even as a designer, I think just like producing this podcast is building all kinds of skill sets mm -hmm. as far as you know communication speaking even producing the podcast even you know learning how to talk to um certain radio stations how to get a podcast owned at itunes and, and things like that yeah. um that forces you to grow and it grows your skill set real quick and, and at the same time it builds relationships with with others exactly. and, and uh, connections and uh, i really feel like even comic book industry you know your connections is, is, you know, that's the name of the game, you know, knowing, exactly. you know, knowing the right people and, and uh, connecting. The creative life, and this is something that I wanted to be the sort of the underlying premise for, honestly, for this episode and for the future episodes and talking with, as I talk with, you know, people like you and, and various creators and leaders, um, what's the creative life and you know and, and that's gonna be different for everyone uh -huh. for you what would be the ideal creative life if you had that one perfect day uh, in your in your life uh, with all the things that you're doing mm. so I think you know for me it's at this point it's a it's a kind of running two parallel tracks right there's little fish me and then there's artist me yeah um and i think for me like honestly and i think i would have maybe answered this differently say five six seven years ago when little fish was just starting um but now like for me uh, a perfect day would be a good balance of those two things right yeah. so uh it would be uh a good 
a good meeting, something productive, kind of future looking um, yeah. with someone in the industry. That could be a retailer, professional, um, librarian. Um, and um, also something productive for the studio, right? Teaching some kind of workshop, something like that. Um, balanced out with time uh, to work on uh, my own projects, my own graphic novels, my own work. Um, and having, having the space to really get the most out of both of those simultaneously, right? A lot of times my day will be like, you know, 90% uh, little fish and I have to sneak in drawing really fast, right? Yeah. Or I've got a, a project that has to get done and then I have to wrap it up really fast to like go teach for like for like two hours, you yeah. know? Um, and so it would be nice to like a good, a good uh, balance that's also uh, relaxed somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so as far as creative tip, what is perhaps one or two uh, creative tips, something mm -hmm. that, that may, that's helped you out and something yeah. that, that may help our audience? Uh, so I, uh, I stole this from uh, Gil Kane, a uh, legendary uh, creator of uh, uh, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, mm -hmm. the Adam, he drew the Death of Gwen Stacy, right? Yeah. No slouch. Uh, but uh, Gil was always, um, I think for the most part, kind of in a healthy way, second-guessing himself as a creator, mm -hmm. right, and as an artist. And so Gil uh, would do this, and I've, uh, I've started doing this, um, is he would build in an hour every morning, almost like an athlete, right? An athlete doesn't like just, like, uh, if you're a tennis player, you don't just like run out to the court, right? You're gonna yeah. stretch, yeah. you're probably at the gym first, right, you're warming up. Um, Gil would dedicate an hour every morning to sketching and warming up. Yeah. right before getting started right mm -hmm. and find something that he wanted to work on right it could be a page of hands it could be like uh he was famous for like the it's called the up the nose shot right like working on stuff like that he was a very um structural artist um and so he would work on um on on things in a very kind of structured methodical way mm -hmm. um and i i would really recommend that um uh any any viewers out there take that to heart and really integrate you know, at least a half an hour, uh, preferably an hour of consistent sketch time. Uh, it's amazing how much, and it seems like without like a like a thing that you're doing, like you're not going to get better, but you absolutely do. Oh yeah. Just by it's like going to the gym, right? It's not like you, you know, in one day you're like, well, I'm exactly where I want to be. Right? It's yeah. a process, but by sketching, you just automatically get better, right? Um, you know, Jack Kirby uh, used to say, uh, inspiration is for amateurs, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um, you're not always inspired, right? Yeah. You wake up in the morning, oftentimes, especially if you're an adult, you're gonna be tired, right? There's stuff to do yep. already, like they're static in your mind, right? But you have to like be disciplined enough to just sit down and work uh, regardless of where you're at mentally. Yeah, that's a, that's a great tip. So with Little Fish, how can people get in touch with you or with Little Fish and how to get contacted, even if someone's wanting to get um, want to get started. Uh -huh. uh, so we uh, run all the social medias. <laughs> uh, we've got a Facebook page, we're on Instagram, uh, Little Fish Comic Books, uh, easy to find. Um, you can uh, hit us up through our website, uh, www.lilfish.us, uh, littlefish.us, um, or email us directly at uh, L-I-T-T-L-E-F-I-S-H, Little Fish uh, Comic Books, C-O-M-I-C-B-O-O-K-S, uh, and that's at gmail.com. You can email us directly. Uh, like I said, we're on Facebook, Instagram, um, 
Uh, I don't have a Snapchat. I asked my uh, students about setting up a Snapchat <laughs> at one point, um, and every uh, teenager's uh, face in the studio, their face just sank, and they were like, don't go on Snapchat. Stay <laughs> off of Snapchat. So, uh, And I promised my daughter not to set up a YouTube channel for now. <laughs> she's, she's 10, and she's really into YouTube, and she was like, I don't want to see you there. And I was like, I love you too. <laughs> 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 so uh, also too and quick note as far as uh anybody that's wanting to get started uh with, with little fish they don't necessarily have to go to the studio they can you do you you offer remote classes yeah don't you? Okay. absolutely absolutely okay. um you know you can skype in um and work remotely we've had uh, plenty of students that do that in the past um and also any class that you might be curious about you know comics is a a discipline and a way of thinking and kind of creating art unto itself. Yes. So uh, any of our classes, um, any uh, prospective student is welcome to just try it out uh, totally for free. Just um, see if it's the right fit. Sometimes it's not the right fit. Um, and we want everyone to have the chance to try it out without like, without any kind of commitment. Yeah. Awesome. So once again, this has been another great episode of The Creative Brew with me, with Lonzo. And like I said, if you're in the area, Please check out, check out Little Fish. They're doing a lot of great things. Um, I'll give a quick shout out to, to Matt. Uh, I'm sure he wanted to, would like to be in this interview too. But uh, <laughs> uh, so I'll give a quick shout out to Matt. He's doing a lot of, a lot of great things. He wants to be in every uh, interview. Yeah, I know. Um, so uh, once again, this has been another awesome episode of The Creative Brew. Be creative and stay inspired. <laughs>